Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, Tracy takes us into the wild world of old newspaper stories. Learn about banana crimes, a train accident, and a monkey who gets a bit of a shock. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories. My name is Charlie Simpkins. I'm the digital consultant at the Mississippi Library Commission, and today I'm joined with Tracy Carr. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself, Tracy? Sure. I'm the library services director here at the commission. Yes, and today we are talking about a fascinating topic of old news and you know new news ends up turning into old news and we have an expert in old news today so to get started how did your love of old news begin it started because my grandmother she told stories sometimes that i had a feeling were not 100 percent accurate my whole life she told this story about how when she was a kid she went to a county fair and she had never seen a banana before and so she bought one and she ate the whole thing without peeling it very appetizing <laughs> yes also just side note at the same fair one of her brothers he, he had never seen a loaf of bread for sale because they you know they lived in the country and their mother made bread and so he bought a loaf of bread and ate the whole thing <laughs> which I thought was really <laughs> funny too like okay my family likes to buy things and eat all of them but as an adult and then as a librarian, I, I had told that story to someone. And then I thought, when did bananas even get to Franklin County? Like, is it plausible that bananas were not like plentiful and all over the place? What's the deal? So I started, I started researching like the banana industry and importing bananas and um, things just, you know, just kind of went off the rails. I started with the New York Times archive. That's like a, a, you know, a great historical resource. And then it just kind of flew, flew on from there. I learned that the banana trade was really, really picked up after the Civil War. And uh, even though bananas were a luxury. And then just a side note, uh, they were apparently sold, peeled, sliced, and wrapped in foil because the shape was too suggestive for ladies (laughs) to eat. (laughs) By the end of the 19th century, the banana trade was hopping in the U.S. There's so many little tidbits about bananas. I'm, I'm going to try to contain myself. The, the banana that was the popular banana, um, it was called the Gros Michel or Big Mike. Um, we can just call it Big Mike. It's one that it traveled really well. It ripened on a good schedule. It didn't bruise easily. So when it was, you know, on a ship coming to... Uh, the states it was it was the banana and then in the 50s though a fungus came along called the panama disease Mm. and basically wiped it out then the cavendish banana is the one that replaced it and that's the one when you go to the store now and you eat a banana that's the banana that you know but if you've ever eaten like a banana laffy taffy or what are those things called runts aren't runts the ones that are shaped like candy and that banana flavor is like really aggressively fake banana flavor. Mm-hmm. That's the flavor of Big Mike. Oh. Big Mike had that really intense flavor. And so if you're a person that found herself really thinking about bananas a lot, like I I really want to taste. I, I want a Gross Michel. I really want one. And so apparently I can order 
a small box is uh, three to five pounds and it's $68 from a specialty banana grower. And I might, I'm going to put it on my wish list. Maybe Santa will um, bring me some bananas this year. That sounds like a good wish list. Like, now, do these come peeled, sliced, and wrapped in no, foil? No, they are in their uh, original scandalous form okay. um, in the peel. So, yes, I will have to avert my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you discovered that your grandmother could have been telling the truth about Yes. With the timeline, I'm guessing this was like, you know, late 20s or so that she um, could have encountered this crazy fruit at a county fair. I did attempt to find what county fair it was, but that wasn't as interesting as all the things I found about bananas. So when I was doing this initial banana research, though, all these other banana stories came up in the New York Times archive about uh, banana peels. And you know, the great old-timey comedy staple of someone slipping on a banana peel. I thought that was just sort of invented for comedy purposes, but it wasn't. It was like banana peels were just like a scourge on the world. People were like slipping and falling and breaking their legs, falling down the stairs, breaking their skulls, dying. Horses were slipping on them. And and of course, all these stories are from the New York Times. So these are all happening in, in New York. There was a story about a guy who slipped on a banana peel on election day and he broke his leg and he was unable to vote for president. So, you know, four years later, he's so excited. He's going to go vote for president again. He falls down on another banana peel and breaks the other leg. Oh, no. Horses slipped on them too. And then they'd fall and the carriages would crash. And it was just like this crazy um, banana peel situation and there was a whole like criminal industry about banana peel insurance fraud where you'd like keep a banana peel in your pocket and drop it on the floor and then at at a business and then slip on it and say like oh I'm gonna sue you for negligence. Oh the old slip and fall. Yes. Yes. And that started with banana peels. I would so. have never thought about. So did the nefarious association with bananas just stop at insurance fraud? Oh, or no. Did- I, it is bad to say it's my favorite crime. But uh, the most amazing banana peel crime that I found involved murder. And, you know, we all love a good murder story. We don't yes. want to get murdered, but it's, you know, interesting to read about. So on Christmas Eve in 1924, this lady named Minnie Schmidt... 37 years old, you know, sitting at the table about ready to go have Christmas Eve dinner with her family when she was killed when her husband shot her in the chest. And he claimed that he was cleaning his gun, which he was giving to his son-in-law or grandson or something. Yeah. No, he was 37. He didn't have a grandson, but whatever. He was giving it to somebody. And he was cleaning it, and he walked in the kitchen, slipped on a banana peel, dropped the gun, it went off, shot his wife, and then it bounced and jumped out the window. That's a lot to happen. That's that's a lot to happen, and it's pretty implausible. So the news stories, which of course, you know, you, you read this one story, you have to like keep researching to see what happened next. The police investigated and there was like, he did at least this guy's name was Casper Schmidt. He did put a banana peel on the floor, but he didn't like go to the trouble of actually stepping on it. So they like the banana peel was not smushed. There was no banana residue on the floor. 
And then a neighbor said that she heard a blast, and then five minutes later, she heard breaking glass and saw a gun fly out the window. (laughs) It was a delayed bounce, it sounds like. (laughs) Right. I researched this for way too long, um, but just to wrap it up, he got away with it. He was acquitted, and then he married Minnie's cousin. Hmm. Well, Casper. Very interesting. So, anyway, that... That's that's the great banana peel murder story. That is fast. I would have never associated bananas with murder. When I, I used to work at a grocery store for a couple of years, bananas seem to be one of the most popular fruits. Mm-hmm. And it's also the first produce code that most cashiers yes. learn. Yes. I, w- I was a checker in 1993, and it's 4011. That, I yes. will remember it until I die. And yeah. so when self-check came along, I was like, oh, I know one. It's 4011. That's what every time we go to the grocery store, if we do self-checkout, we go to get bananas. I'm like, don't worry. I got this. I feel so proud of myself that I know 4011. Yes. So, yeah. So what was the end of your intrigue with banana pills? Well, my, my love of... Uh, looking at stories about how people fell down um, on banana peels, it evolved into, I was thinking about like, well, why were the, all these banana peels all over the street anyway? Do they not have trash cans? And the answer was no. Um, p- trash cans are a thing that we take for granted, but they were a thing someone had to think up. Someone had to like invent the idea of like, oh, hey guys, instead of just putting all your garbage in the street, put it in this can and then some other guy will come along and pick it up and take it away yeah so there just weren't any garbage cans in new york city but in 1895 the the city hired george waring jr who created the first sanitation department that story is like super fascinating by itself he had all of the sanitation workers wear white which sounds like you know counterintuitive like y'all are picking up yucky stuff all day but to really enforce the idea that like this is like we are being sanitary this is like a a, you know a a thing for health like white castle the fast food burger place they all wore white to show that they were taken this was right after uh upton sinclair's the jungle and so they all wore white to show that they were taking sanitation seriously that way if it was dirty they would have to go change and clean up there you go it's a good thought I read this horrible statistic that because, you know, this is like the end of, you know, 1895 or so, horses on a daily basis would leave 2.5 million pounds of manure and 60,000 gallons of urine on the streets of New York (laughs) every day. So these street sweepers, these street cleaners had this uphill battle. But anyway, but so he created the system for street cleaning and maintenance and garbage uh, collection but he died a couple of years later, and apparently his remain he was cremated, and his remains were put in this urn, and they weren't claimed in a timely manner. And apparently they were dumped out because someone needed to make a gin ricky, and they really needed a vessel to make their make their drink in. Uh, so they just dumped him out, you know, the hero of sanitation, and made a gin ricky, which I had to look up. That's gin, lime juice, and fizzy water uh, in his urn. So. You know, this is why, these are the kinds of stories that really, really interest me, you know. So, yeah, it started with, like, myth-busting my grandmother's story. Um, But I learned that I really like tooling around old newspapers and seeing what 
people thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I like trying to figure out if what actually happened and like fact checking basically. Yeah. I always like looking into like the early 1900s newspapers and you find that community happenings where it's like, oh, so-and-so wasn't feeling well, so their son-in-law and daughter came to visit them this weekend. Like, yes. That's riveting news. Thank you for the... <laughs> well, I mean, there's no Facebook, right? Like, yeah. you ha- like, how do you know that Minnie Jones had company unless you read it in the, in the newspaper? Yeah. So what interesting Mississippi stories have you found? Well, like anything else, as if you've listened this long, you know that for me, it's not interesting unless it's a little bit weird. <laughs> so we, you know, obviously my the my descent into the the CD world of, of bananas and banana peels reveals and you know the murder associated with it. There are some. There's just you know wherever people are, there's going to be interesting stories. I have a handful of examples to share about some great Mississippi stories. There was a murder involving a ketchup bottle, but the the person wasn't like beaten with a ketchup bottle. One guy, um, his name was Lewis Dennis. He shot Honorable John T. White, who was the Hines County Circuit Clerk in 1910, 1909, something around, somewhere around there. And they were at a restaurant and he said that he raised a ketchup bottle, which was actually called a tomato sauce bottle in this. He raised a tomato sauce bottle in the air and the guy felt threatened, so he shot him dead. He was sentenced to two years and I think he like ran away at one point um, and then he came back to jail, I don't know. Um, there's actually a lot of stories like that where people escape from jail, I guess they like get hungry or something and go back. <laughs> um, but then he got pardoned and he's like a hero, the guy that like killed the, that story needs more fleshing out to me. I need to find out, did everyone hate this guy that was the circuit clerk? Like, what's the relationship between like, you ra- you raised a ketchup bottle at me, I'm gonna shoot you, I'm threatened by your ketchup bottle. That is wild, like. Well, it, it just shows that people have always been um, how they are. Yes. You know, when you think like, oh, the good old days, no. There are no good old days. People are terrible. They always have been. Um, They're always, you know, killing each other over dumb stuff and making up the worst excuses. Banana pills and ketchup bottles. Yeah, I tell you what. One other thing that I really like about old newspapers, the style, like if someone got run over by a car today and it was in the newspaper, it would say, Charlie was hit by a car and did not survive. Yeah. However, if it's in an old newspaper, it's going to be something like the lifeless body was torn from the, you know, it's just horrendous. So I have an example here. This article is from uh, the Weekly Corinthian from May 16th, 1907, and it's called Frightful Accident. Last Saturday morning, while engaged in excavation work on M&O Railroad, Uh, Between Bethel and McNary, Nelson Burks, age 24, was ground to a mass of bones and flesh. He was on the cars, which had just emptied a load of dirt, and with others of the surfacing crew, started back and being ordered off the train. He was slow in doing so, until the train had gotten some speed, where he swung himself off and, falling on the dump, reaching down to the track, rolled onto the rail under the wheels. Ground to a mass of bones and flesh. You know, that really does paint a picture. (laughs) 
Um, you don't have television. Mm-hmm. You don't have photos. A lot, most of the time. This is 1907 in Corinth. You know, that newspaper is not going to have like someone eyewitness on the scene. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's really descriptive and like it makes me giggle. I mean, I I hate that this happened to Nelson Burke, but it's just so over the top. The description of what what happened to this poor fellow is 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 a lot. I have a humongous uh, spreadsheet with all of the hilarious things I found. But one category is big things like the biggest pumpkin, the biggest cabbage. Those just amuse me. Like there's a really big green onion in um, that was found in Hattiesburg. Like again, that's news. That, yeah. that, that amuses me. I also learned that in... 1915 in Gulfport at the Great Southern Hotel there was a monkey who lived there and his name was Jocko. Listen, he he got into some scrapes and he had a few situations. So in April of 1915 he got shocked. He jumped off of something into some electrical wires and suffered a shock. If I can, I'm going to read you the opening uh, lines of this article. It's called Save Monkey's Life. Two of Gulfport's leading surgeons stood at a bedside in the Great Southern Hotel here yesterday and held a furry pulse while all Gulfport held its breath until the announcement came that Jocko would survive. Jocko suffered an electrical shock, a fall of 30 feet, general nervous collapse, (laughs) and the amputation of three fingers. (laughs) That poor monkey. It's a general nervous collapse, like that really got me. Like, listen, he he had a day. Yeah, he had a day, but he fell thirty feet. They thought he was dead. Two surgeons hurried to the to the scene. They uh, gave him some nerve treatments, which I don't know what that is. Every, see, the problem is every article requires more research. Yes. And then I just fall down the rabbit hole. Like, I, I, I don't even fall down the rabbit hole. I live in the rabbit hole. Like, yeah. I, I, am, I just have a whole bed and desk down there where I'm, I'm looking at this stuff. But don't worry, because just a few months later in September, he somehow, like, got into a haberdashery store and stole a hat. And it was, like, great amusement by all. It's- it sounds like he was the inspiration for the Curious George. He's just having a bunch of shenanigans in this little town. I've only been able to find these two articles about him, but I'm, I just feel certain there are more out there. And, oh, yeah. if anyone's going to find out about Jocko, the monkey that lives at the Great Southern Hotel, I also need to know what kind of monkey he is, what size. Like, you know, when you say yeah. monkey, that, there's a lot of monkeys in the monkey family. I just need more information. Was he an employee at the hotel? Like, I think he was just a resident. Just a resident. Um, but again, in these articles, it's like, oh, Jocko, the beloved house monkey of the hotel. So he was known. And so he wasn't like a new monkey. Okay. Um, he was known. He was a known personality of the Great Southern Hotel. I love that. I love that. So, okay, you've sold me. I want to start looking into more old news. What kind of tools do you recommend to find these kind of stories? The best tool is called Chronicling America. And it's a Library of Congress website. So it's chroniclingamerica.loc.gov. 
And you can search, I mean, there are, I don't know, I should have looked to see, but there's hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of digitized newspapers. I like to, besides the bananas, I only look at Mississippi newspapers usually. And most, if not all, of the Mississippi papers are all digitized by our friends at the Mississippi Department of Archives and History. So um, it's a really easy interface to to work with. If you want to limit it by the state or the the time period, you can um, just put in your search term and you're, listen, it's very rare that I put in some weird word and don't get a, some kind of result. So if you are interested in murders in, I don't know, the 20s in Mississippi, you can just find some. Yeah. Because again, people have always been, you know, <laughs> inherently <laughs> awful. And, uh, you know, they're always killing on each other and yeah. doing stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of exciting crime bootlegging whoa so much so many stories about bootlegging and once you find an, like a, a subject you get into the paper you can't just search necessarily for like an ad because you'll get too many but once you commit to like okay i'm in the you know the hattiesburg news or whatever the ads are just in a another state of their own they're so good the intersection of like bad medicine and cool design that <laughs> <It> just <laughs> thrills me. So sometimes you have people have lice and they need to get rid of it. And today we would call that like lice removal. Yeah. But wouldn't it be more fun to call it lice murder? Yes. Yes. Well, old timey people did. So lice murder would not be something that, you know, a, a company would call their product now they would be like a focus group and people would be like that's kind of harsh yeah um, but no old-timey people are like we, we got some lice and we need to murder them today i really think that's the only time you can say those were the better like the good old days is saying lice murder lice murder yes there was also in a philadelphia mississippi there was a a carbonated soft drink called orange juge J O O J. I'm sure it was like a you know a sun kissed kind of kind of thing. But the yeah. art, it, go to Chronicling America and type in Orange Juge. You will find the most beautiful ads for this. I, th- I said it was bever- uh, carbonated, but I'm not officially sure. It's carbonated in my heart, yeah. but I don't know if it was actually carbonated. There's lots of these articles that sound like. They're, it's news, but they're actually ads for like nervous pills, probably what Jocko got, yeah. the nervous treatment. The cordials are also very popular, which I think is just like booze, but it's, oh, I have a nervous disposition. I need a cordial for this. And it's just like a lot of alcohol with something else, sarsaparilla or something in it yeah. that you can just legally buy and be like, oh, I'm so ill. I'm going to need this. It just brings me a lot of joy. All all of this is a very, even when it's this poor man that was ground to a pulp. That's not what it was. It was a, a mound a of ground to a mass of bones and flesh. Yes. Um, you know, it's interesting and fun. It is. It sounds very lighthearted and very informative, though. Like it gives you a picture of the, that time, that era. There's a lot of horrible things, too, that I'm, I mean, I'm not going to tell you about all of the really, really bad things, but the, these are the um, yeah. the interesting things um, and why I like dealing with old newspapers and, and fact-checking and that kind of thing. 
Well, I think that's a good note to leave off on. We got you piqued my interest. I'm going to go visit some of these sites to start exploring. And we thank you for your time. Well, thanks for having me. Well, awesome. Thank you for listening to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.